0: To another episode of Pots for Klind. I'm your host, Shwini Pooh. This is episode 176. I am joined today not by Prez, who is on a mini vacation visiting some family. Uh, so, no co host doing it by myself. But I am joined by a guest who is an alien to this podcast and to the website as a whole. You know him as the host of Lockdown Knicks. His name is Alex Wolf. Alex, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. Yeah, I've never heard of this plucky little website. It's always nice to, you know, meet a fan and go on a podcast. You know. Um.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, big time. You know, I've been a fan of yours for years. So.
1: Yeah, I wish I could say I've heard of you, but you know, it's just not the case. I, I, I wasn't sure who the fuck was sending me a message, but you know,
0: you just um. said yes, and it was like, oh shit.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, why did I say yes to that? But here I am. Anyway, um, yeah, it's nice, to- <laughs> it's
0: nice to talk to everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's it's good to talk um, after the Knicks win three in a row. Uh, do
1: I, wait, do I need to do like a real disclaimer that I'm not a huge narcissist after that? Because I feel like someone's going to comment and be like, what a huge asshole. Who even is this guy?
0: I don't think anybody comments on our stuff.
1: Yeah, nobody I mean, comments on the Patreon things generally, so I guess I'm safe. Yeah. Unless someone yeah. says something on the website or something. it is in the, We we are in the free preview section right now still. That's true. So, this yeah. is the free zone. I just, all right, fine. I'll just go on the record and say, you know, as it turns out, I do like the strip. He meant every word like of it. Really.
0: But I also every meant word. every word. I also <laughs> meant every word. Yeah, I
1: just need to say that
0: too. So, um, All right. Well, before we get started, I do need to mention that this website strickland does have a patreon uh you can subscribe to it there's a number of tiers there's a six dollar tier that gets you access to this podcast every friday which normally also includes prez uh it also gets you access to the mailbag that i do every other week with jeremy and drew in addition to that you get access to the strickland discord where you can talk about the knicks all the time you can even talk about other things like the mlb lockout that or is it a strike or a lockout who knows who cares uh it might be coming to an end today uh in addition to that there's nothing else actually that's all you get from that tier but there's a nine dollar tier that gets you access to weekly articles by the wonderful jack huntley and matthew miranda two of the best basketball writers dare i say writers of any anything out there uh you also get access to stricken rule my solo pod that I do every other week, where I yell even more about the Knicks. But sometimes I talk about football. That was fun. Uh, there are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those get you access to additional benefits like merchandise discounts, potentially uh, hosting a podcast even one day alongside yours truly. You also get to listen on watch parties uh, and other good stuff. Uh, but... Whether you choose to subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. And without further ado, let's talk about the Knicks. Um, The Knicks have won three in a row now. Uh, Three double-digit beatdowns, really. Uh, All on the road. I think that's like the first time they've done that in fucking ten years or something like that. I don't know what the stats are, but they're ridiculous. Yeah, I
1: think think Vivek said uh, in our Discord that it was since the 12-13 season and that really good run at the beginning of the season was the last time they
0: did that. Yeah. I, I imagine double digit wins. It's, I mean, I can't, remember. I honestly don't think that's happened in my lifetime. Three straight double digit fucking just beat downs on a West coast trip too. like just, mm. just ridiculous. Um, and uh, I, uh, it felt great. Uh, it felt great for a lot of reasons. Uh, I'm trying not to take an early victory lap, but I do think the early returns on the notion that, hey, maybe try new stuff uh, is looking pretty good so far. Uh, And the new stuff being play young guys more minutes. Um, It's hard not to, and also it's worth noting this, um, the Knicks also obviously lost that game in Phoenix on a last second heave off the backboard by Cam Johnson who can go fuck himself. Um, but they they absolutely beat the shit out of the Heat yesterday. I know Booker was back and he missed our game, but like, I mean, this team is really close from winning four in a row. That I, they I don't think they were favored in any of them. I know they weren't favored yesterday. no, they weren't favored against Clippers. I know they weren't favored against Phoenix. Pretty sure they were not favored against Sacramento. Um, so I, I just I don't really know what to make of all of that. I I don't think they're like I don't think as well as they've played with these young guys just kind of slotted in uh, in place of Kemba being out and obviously as we've gone on more injuries. I don't know that that's truly like the level we can expect of them, um, but they are a lot better defensively. I think they look more cohesive offensively, even if there's still some clunkiness to it all, and... Still some lack. I mean, there's still, like, a clear lack of shot creation, I think, across the board. Um, but, like, it's really hard not to be encouraged by the earlier turns. And I'm trying not to be frustrated by it because, ultimately, like, we are we got to the place I was hoping we would get to. So, like, cool. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, I guess just what are your thoughts on what we've seen during this recent stretch?
1: Well, it's not just, like, the... <laughs> They're playing the young players, right? Which I mean, that that is part of it, and that's been awesome. But you know, even like like in last night's game, you know, Jericho Sims only saw like I don't know seven eight minutes or something. I'm sure someone somewhere was complaining about that because it's like, oh, why did they give Taj all those minutes? And it's like, you know, like there is something to be said for you know guys not getting minutes if they're not doing NBA level stuff on any given night. And you know, I, I think that Tibbs's criteria for that though was always just like. If you're 25 and under and you make a single mistake, everything else that you've done is completely invalidated and you're going to rot on the bench the rest of the game. Um, And now it's more like, you know, Sims, for example, you know, came in, got two quick fouls and Taj came in. And as a result, you know, the rest of the young guys that were playing like Quickly and Deuce and RJ, obviously, were, you know, looking a lot better with having a guy like Taj out there. And that's smart. That's smart veteran management. You know, that's not putting guys out there and putting them in a position to potentially fail. You know, that's giving a learning moment to a guy like Sims. But for the other guys, it's like, it's not even just playing the young guys. It's experimenting with different stuff too. And, you know, I know that this was like only, I know that Tibbs would never in a million years do this unless his hand was forced by injury. But, you know, playing RJ Barrett at the four, for example, Worked amazing, you know, like right before uh, Cam Reddish got hurt, probably their best lineup that they were throwing out there was uh, Emmanuel Quickly, Deuce McBride, Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett, and either Sims or Mitchell Robinson, because that lineup was fast. They could switch like crazy. You know, they were uh, like RJ and Cam were getting to the basket like madmen and, and getting, you know, tons of free throw attempts and everything. It was a very fun, very modern look for the Knicks to throw out there. And, you know, I think what the the big question is going to be going forward is, like, I think we can now safely say, like, yes, there are some versatile young players on the Knicks. I mean, this is to say nothing of, like, Obi Toppin and Quentin Grimes, who have been out for this whole little resurgence. And when they come back, hopefully we'll just kind of slot in as, as part of the movement here. But, like, you know, I, I think the biggest worry that I have now is... You know, I hope that this is and, you know, I like to think that the front office is smart enough that this won't be the case. But I hope that this now, you know, with Tibbs doing this, probably reluctantly, probably with some insistence from management, doesn't then do enough to, like, save his job or something. Because I think that we've been shown through most of this year that Tibbs does not care about this sort of thing. And he is not one for experimentation or trying new things or, or trying to break the mold in any meaningful way from what he thinks is, like, the right way to do stuff. Um, So, you know, we'll see what happens, I guess. But I I, I like the early returns so far, and I like, you know, I hope that if slash when the Knicks get a new coach after this year that they find someone and, you know, look, it might be Johnny Bryant or maybe they look for an outside candidate, who knows. But whoever it is, I hope that they're willing to keep mixing and matching these pieces and seeing what kind of cool, weird shit you can do that works because stuff like stuff like RJ at the four definitely works and is worth considering because, you know, he's a versatile player and and a lot of these young guys that the Knicks have invested in are also versatile players that could potentially, you know, pop if you put them in these, these interesting scenarios that the, you know, that Tibbs is however reluctantly putting them in at the moment.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, so I wasn't like, I wasn't really very annoyed that Taj played a bunch yesterday uh, in terms of, like, in the moment of the game. I, I did not have a significant issue with it, but I just view that as more evidence of, like, Tibbs, when he has options, he shows you what his preferences are, and he's always going to pick the vets over a young guy with an unproven track record. Um, you know, like, I know that Sims had picked up two fouls pretty quick. I And I understand why you don't put him back into in the first half. That doesn't really bother me. Um, and it, again, it didn't really bother me. I'm not... like I'm, I did not come out of that game yesterday like, oh my god, I can't believe Jericho Sims didn't play more. But like, it just shows me that when Sims gets foul trouble, and so he has to play Taj a little bit, and Taj, because he hasn't played a lot in the last few weeks, he's got juice in his legs, you know, he's got some pop back. Um... He looked good, and he played well. And so, of course, in the second half, when Mitch came out, who came in but Taj? Um, and it just shows you, like, he is never going to adapt, really. And, like, even even another example would be, um, because Taj was out for the Sacramento game, right? I remember he had something. I think he was out for that. Um, but, like, so because of that, and because Mitch was out, and obviously Noel is out and Obi is out, he had to play Randall at the five. Right. He had to do that a bit. And I just, or no, Todd did play the Sacramento game, if I remember correctly. That's
1: right. I yeah. Think so. I think he played, I think yeah. he played some, but, but the lineup didn't, did Mitch work. didn't play. Yeah. Mitch didn't yeah. play.
0: So Mitch, Mitch barely yeah. played. So because of that, he had to play Randall at the five a bit. And that was super effective. It was super. And like, I, I don't believe, I truly don't believe that's a lineup that is necessarily going to be effective against all of their 29 NBA teams on every given night. Like I do think it is a situational thing. I thought yesterday was a perfect situation to try that. And again, like the Knicks were up comfortably the entire time. They won the game. A lot of young guys contributed. That's not really my issue. But my point is like when he has options, if he does not have to play small, he will not play small. Like that is his choice. He consistently makes it. He consistently has shown that he's shown for two years. Like, the only other time, I actually remember this, because I went back last year, you know, after the season, I was like rewatching a bunch of games. There was a game they had in Atlanta early in the season uh, where they made a big comeback. But like one, and the, I think they, they played Utah pretty soon after that, but they basically didn't have any bigs. It was like Mitch. It was Randall. I don't think Todd had signed back yet.
1: Mm-hmm. And Noel, yeah, that, was out. that took a minute because
0: they had Spellman
1: yeah. on the roster, right?
0: And so Spellman wasn't really an option. Spelman and then, wasn't that. right, exactly. <laughs> and then, and Noel was hurt, which you know, classic Nerlens Noel. Uh, but like, he was hurt, so they just didn't have any bigs, and so he had to play Randall at the five for stretches. And in both of those games, there were stretches where Randall just fucking killed at the five. And against Utah, especially, it was super like noticeable because he's going up against Gobert, who is you know, arguably, however much people want to make fun of him, like arguably the best defensive player in the NBA at the worst one, like a top three, top five defensive player in the NBA. Um, and he absolutely killed him. And it's like, you see stuff like that. And then he just really never went to that the rest of the year, right? Like there was never a point, And like, I know that I'm not trying to go back and like re-coach how he did in 2020, 21, right? Like obviously the the buttons he pressed were, the, the buttons he pushed were right. The Knicks got the results that's like I'm not questioning that, but my point is like he shows you consistently what he is going to do when he has options. And the Knicks never had an injury crisis really last year. I think they had one where like Rose and Alfred Payton were out, so he had to play quickly and Milikina as his guards, right? But like that was it. There was no other real crisis, and that was like a five game period. Um, other than that, the Knicks were relatively healthy the most of the season. Mitch Mitch's injury was the only significant injury they had, and so like. Even this year, we've seen the Knicks, to this point, had not had an injury crisis, really. Other They had the COVID thing. But other than that, they have been healthy, pretty much, relatively speaking, for most of the season. And he shows you exactly what he's... When he has a full deck, he shows you what he's going to do. Like, we saw early in the season, when he had to play young guys because of COVID, Deuce played really well and helped turn a few games, right? Uh, him and quickly looked great together. And as soon as he had his options back... Deuce was... He was gone from the rotation. Grimes has managed to stick, so credit to Grimes. But, like, Deuce was out. Um, Quickly's minutes were basically capped, right? Even with Rose out. Quickly still... And even now, Quickly does not start. Will not start. Um, uh, You see stuff like Cam... Like, he views everything so rigidly, so Cam was, like, a backup three. There was no idea of, like, well, we could play small, and, like, maybe I cut Sims's minutes. Or todges minutes and i have randall play more at the five and play cam at the four and Obi. like there's never anything like that it's just very very rigid and only when he has to only when he's shorthanded only when he has nine or ten guys available to him literally nine or like the only i think the tenth guy he had available to me yesterday was archie diacono which is why even in garbage time he still had you know quickly and deuce out there so like he is telling you exactly what he's gonna do. And I just don't I, I don't know how you get around that because I agree with you. Like, even vets like like I would prefer to move Evan Fournier. Like, I would love to move Evan Fournier this offseason if we can. Um, I wouldn't mind keeping Burks because to your point, like he is one of the vets on this team who is versatile, like he can play multiple roles. Like, I agree with that part of what Tibbs thinks about him. I don't agree that he should be a fucking starting point guard ever. Um, But, like, he is versatile. Like, I thought he looked really good in that lineup yesterday with RJ, Deuce, and Quickly. I, I really liked that group together. But, like, I know that if he's here and if Tibbs is the coach, you know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, you already know what's going to happen. And, like, you're talking about Deuce is probably getting buried again. Cam might get buried again. And, like, yeah, you can tell me it's the front office's responsibility to clear minutes for them. and But, like, now you're talking about you have to cope, you have to manage around your coach's tendencies and preferences versus being able to just trust your coach to like, look at the data, look at what the information is telling you and adapt to it. And like, he has never shown himself to be a creature of adaptation, right? Like he's very much rigid in his thinking. Um, and he's of the belief that I can, like, if I do what I want to do, eventually it'll work. And that bore out this year in the sense of he tried that and guess what? It did not work, but he stuck with it. And it's just like, you know, I'm not saying, look, at this point finish out the year with him. I'm, I'm not, that's fine. It is what it is. But like, I just don't see how they can go into this off season. Look at what they know about Tibbs. Look at how he coached this entire season and be like, well, we trust him to make the right calls. Even if we clear out, you know, because like, think of it this way, like if even if they cleared out the vets, do you think we'd ever see Reddish at the four if OB is healthy?
1: No, absolutely not. And right. and you know, the other thing too is like it's so it, it what you described is such an unhealthy front office coach relationship, too, where essentially like, you know, for the front office to do things for the betterment of the team, if Tibbs was still coach, they essentially have to take all of his favorite toys away and say, like you know, we're gonna. <laughs> the only way that we can make this work with you is if we save you from yourself and only give you the options that we want you to play. And if that requires taking away like useful players that just shouldn't be getting used as crappily as Tibbs uses them, such as Alec Burks. You know it, it, that's just not a great formula. And like to your point too, you know I want to double back. You mentioned like, you know, yeah, they they played small against the Kings and it went really well. Like, it, honestly. If the, if the traditional bigs hadn't gotten in foul trouble, I don't know if Tibbs ever puts two and two together of something that we've seen like a million times, which is if you put Randall on Sabonis, he's like the best type of defender to defend Sabonis because he's, he's a little, I won't say undersized, you know, they're basically the same size, but he's not physically dominant over Sabonis. They're like basically built the same. And I think a lot of what happens is you get a guy like Mitch who's, significantly bigger than Sabonis and used to blocking people and whatever. And, you know, he gets on him and then Sabonis busts out some fancy footwork. And 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 Sabonis is
0: just, he can just get into Mitch. He's such a, he'll just bully Mitch. He just pushes him around.
1: You know, and it's not even just pushing him around, but like Mitch will kind of like do the arch's hands over him, you know, to try to just prevent him. And then, you know, Sabonis sees that and then is like, ha ha, let me just like smack the ball into your arm here or, you know, smack my arm into your arm and then toss up some bullshit and I get some free throws. Whereas Randall is perfectly happy. I mean, for better or worse, you know, sometimes this doesn't bear out well, but he's perfectly willing to just stand there with his arms up and just be a big body, you know, and not do anything stupid on that end, but also not be the most aggressive defender ever either. But you don't really have to do that to bother a guy like Sabonis. So like, but Tips doesn't realize that stuff unless it's thrust in front of him. And to your point too, you know, like to their credit, they did, you know, the Knicks did manage to pull it out through just willpower yesterday where, you know, Doncic kind of started heating up in the third quarter. The lead gets down to like, whatever it was like 12 or 15 or whatever, the lowest that the Mavs managed to get it down to. And, you know, you get like my brain freaking out, getting the PTSD of like, Oh God, here it goes again. Like, you know the I, Knicks mean, are all, I think we all
0: we we all were there right
1: Oh definitely yeah I mean I definitely thought there was a chance the Mavs were going to come all the way back and you know to Julius's credit especially like he managed to just kind of pick himself up and be like nah, not today and and put it away but you know the Mavs were so sharp and soft all game I mean <laughs> they were trotting out Maxi Kleber as their as their you know center at various points who's like can't defend a freaking, you know, paper bag and like got thrown to the floor by Emmanuel quickly at one point, you know, driving into the lane. Like this dude is not, you know, he's not doing anything, you know, to prevent anyone from doing anything that they want to do. And yet Tibbs still, you know, to your point, went to Taj and Mitch pretty much the whole game. And Mitch had his way for sure. And Taj had a great game as well. But, you know, when they were really floundering like that, that would have been the time when most coaches would say like, hey, let's go to the thing in the back pocket real quick. Let's, you know, throw Randall out there at the five. Let's just, like, run, 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 and get in transition, which is the thing that we've been doing best lately, and really, you know, slam this down the mass throats that we're going to be like, you know, we're we're controlling the tempo of this game. We are going to be the ones that, you know, win this game because we're going to do what we want out here. And, you know, the, ultimately that did happen via Julius, but, you know... It, it looked for a minute like it was going to slip away. And had well, it, Julius not kind of found himself, it, it might have, you know?
0: Well, if it wasn't, it's not even just that, like, I mean, yeah, Julius finding himself for sure helped a lot. I and mean, just him realizing, like, they got nobody inside. I can just go in there anytime I want, get a bucket and mm-hmm. get a foul, whatever. Um, no, the other part of it was, like, I mean, it's what we've said all year, that, four, like, and Burks in their, in isolation, are useful players. Like, I tend to think Burks is probably more useful. Um, but I do understand, like, Fournier is kind of way more of an elite shooter. He's just such a space cadet on defense and, like, some of his decision making on offense is ridiculous. But anyway, um, like, but together with Randall and RJ and Mitch, that, that group is so slow. And I, and, and they start off games okay. They start off games pretty well, actually, pretty consistently now. Um, The Kings game being an outlier, but like routinely in second halves, they come out in the second half and they are stuck in mud. They cannot get out of their own way. I don't, and you can say that's on them as players. Maybe the coaches need to make an adjustment tactically, whatever it is. It doesn't really matter to me. That group does not work over a full game. We have so much evidence of this. Um, and that started happening again in the second in the second half yesterday. And what were they doing? They were slow on defensive rotations. They were not boxing out. There was one sequence where they got where Dallas got two straight offensive rebounds in the same possession. And both times Evan was just kind of like in no man's land, staring at the ball or like not going after it. And Tibbs is losing his mind on the sideline, but then he leaves him in. And then like you see the lead go from 27 to start the half, then it's like 23, and then it's 19, and they're playing around at 19 for a while, then they you know get in, it gets down to 14, and then you finally calls the time on he finally makes these substitutions to bring quickly induce back in. And you're just like, why does it take that? Like, why is it never a proactive move of this doesn't fucking work? I'm going to start quickly, or this doesn't fucking work. I'm going to be quicker about bringing Deuce or quickly back into the game. Like That's the shit that drives me nuts, and it just shows me his rigidity because he has it in his head how he wants to manage a game. These are the rotations I want to have. Okay, that's cool that you want to have these rotations, but that's not how you're going to win these games. And like he is being forced now to play these guys more minutes because of the situation with injuries and because at his, at his core, he wants to win the game, but like he can only re, like make that adjustment in, in the game. Once they're in, like once Deuce was in, in that second half, he was like, okay, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. And even then he took it out, uh, to bring Randall back in. And I believe RJ or Brooks, I don't remember exactly the exact substitution pattern, but basically Fournier didn't play the entire fourth quarter more or less. Um, and I just think that, like, I, I I don't know. I I just find that really frustrating, and that in that, especially like even yesterday when he had, when your decisions are basically binary almost, he still cannot make the quick decision. He still cannot just be like, okay, Fournier does not have it in this half. I'm bringing in Deuce right now, like or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. He just he's never quick on the trigger to adjust in game, and that's such a big problem for me. We've talked about the lack of flexibility with his lineups. That bored itself out yesterday too, you know, like, and that's, that's, and that was with a limited roster. So like what, what evidence is there of a coach who, when he has a full deck and like, to your point, these are flexible pieces and he's talked about this openly too, which makes it even more frustrating because I do think he like recognizes this, but he cannot trust it or he can't bring himself to trust it for some reason. Um, But like, you look at the young guys they've assembled. Okay. Uh, quickly can defend multiple positions. Deuce can defend multiple positions. Both are guards that can play on and off ball. Grimes can defend multiple positions. RJ they inherited, but he's still here, so whatever we can get for that or not. Can clearly defend multiple positions. Uh, Obi, he's probably the one that you would say is the least flexible uh, of the young guys that assembled. So if you want to just throw him in his own bucket, fine. I don't want to. I don't really want to debate the Obi thing. I think he's a little bit more flexible than other people. But if you want to just say not flexible, that's fine. Throw him there. He's a separate thing. Camp, extremely flexible. Um, Sims, I would argue, Sims is extremely defensively flexible too, given his switchability. So that's six guys they've run it um, by draft or trade or whatever that are young that are on rookie contracts. Um, and Mitch, I guess that Mitch is not that flexible, but obviously that's it's kind of a different thing, right? As a true center, um, but like my point is, and th- this. speaks to what you're talking about. And Randall, who they paid. I think he's a flexible player also. Um, And it's just like, there is a core and an identity there that you can lean into that can give you a lot of options in terms of how you want to set your team up, how you can adjust in games to how an opponent is setting up. Um, It gives you options in terms of pairing different groupings together and, and having different alignments. And I think vets like Burks I think a vet like Derek Rose, they fit that bill also. So we can sit here and say Fournier was a dud and Kemba was a dud. And that's true. I, I don't actually disagree with that. I think Fournier being a dud is more a function of like, we just have better options that I did not expect to transpire this fast. Um, and I don't think he's a dud in the sense of like, he's a useless player. I just don't think we particularly need him anymore, especially if we're focused on building around Randall and. RJ, which seems to be likely to be the case moving forward. Um, and I just, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I feel like there's an identity there to lean into and, and even Mitch fits into that and Obi in the sense of like, they're younger, they're more athletic. They are active. They can get up and down the floor much better than some of these other guys. And I just think that like, like leaning into that identity is what you need from your next coach or, or from Tibbs, if it's Tibbs, but like, you have to be dead certain that he's willing to lean into it. It cannot be – we cannot have any more ambiguity. Because I'll tell you what, I, and we can kind of switch into talking about this too. We've had a lot of discussion on this pod. Knicks fans have had a lot of discussion on Twitter and wherever the fuck about Jalen Brunson as a potential point guard upgrade option this offseason. Um, I don't think Jalen Brunson is a bad player at all. I think he's a good player. Um, but like, you know, I, I've watched Alice enough where why, what exactly is it about Jalen Brunson that I want to pay him $20 million a year to be the starting point guard for us that is so much more valuable and so much better than just having quickly operate in that role? Because the way I see it, we run most of our offense through RJ and Randall anyways, and all you need is a guard who can fit into that a bit and, and be more of a co-initiator alongside those guys. And I just feel like Quigley is has shown over two years, he plays well with both of them. He fits into that. He's still developing as a playmaker and scorer and all those things, but there's a lot of reason to be encouraged by it. He's a way better defender than Brunson, like significantly better the defender than Brunson. I thought he was awesome on defense yesterday. Like him and Deuce together, I don't know what it is, but they're like fucking Voltron or something. Um <clears throat>
1: The Wonder Twins. And, yeah,
0: they're just they're incredible on defense together. And and Deuce is another guy. Like if you sign Brunson, that means Deuce is probably not going to get many minutes. Um, you know, even if you move Derrick Rose off the roster, which is another part of getting Brunson. By the way, means that you probably have to move off Derrick Rose, which I'm fine with personally. I'm not like, I th- actually think the Knicks should seriously consider moving Derrick Rose's offseason for a variety of reasons. Um, but like, that's another just cost of having, of what you would have to do if you get Brunson, right? In all likelihood. And I'm, um, again, if you don't, if Deuce gets buried, that's, again, that's just the cost of being in the NBA. You know, sometimes dudes get lost in the shuffle because of needs higher up the food chain. That's okay. But like, these are things you have to weigh when you're considering giving out a big, shelling out a contract for Jalen Brunson, you know? Um, and, and this doesn't need to just be about Brunson, by the way. This can be, you know, a Malcolm Brogdon or a Colin Sexton in a sign-in trade or whatever. Like, you, if you're going to shell out that money and pay these guys and have them ostensibly be your starting point guard, you better be damn sure that they're 100% upgrade on the young dudes that you are now locking into a, a lower role. And I say that because all that feels like to me is a, a different version of what we did this past offseason, which in hindsight looks like a mistake. But it's a mistake we can still get out from under because these contracts are not exorbitant. They're not long-term. And it's one that we can do very early so that we're not blocking these young guys who all of a sudden, you're like, wow, Like the Knicks might have found gold with, with, with Quentin Grimes. They might have really found something with Deuce McBride too. Um, who is, like, managing to be a significant plus even though he can't fucking hit rim on shots half the time right now. Um, You know, like, it's... These are the things they really need to consider. And I I just hope that, like, they're very careful because I do think Jalen is a good player. I don't really think 20 million a year for him is that crazy of a contract. But, like, it has to be for the right team that really needs stability at the guard position and whatever. And I, like... I just look at how quickly he plays with the presumed two foundational pieces we have, and I'm like, what do I need Jalen Brunson for exactly? I don't know.
1: Yeah, they're sort of looking like a, like, uh, I mean, I know this is, this is like hyperbole, but they're sort of looking like a, a big three right now. You know what I mean? Like when those three are playing, the Knicks play in a demonstrably better way. Uh, when it's when it's RJ quickly and Randall out there and Randall seems to be enjoying it a lot more too I mean maybe this is finally you know you take away the guy in Kemba that just wanted to do nothing but take away touches from Julius and whatever you know whether they were whether they were uh, if there was any animus between them or not which I don't think there really was like maybe not
0: personal animus but definitely yeah. basketball
1: animus I think there was some professional animus between them yeah. And so, you know, they they had that going on, like, but, you know, they, I I think that now Julius, now that he's being put in a position where, like, RJ can take, you know, some of the offensive burden off of him without taking his style of play away. um, And you have Quickly, who is just like a chameleon, can just do whatever you want him to do. He He can take the ball at the top now and break it down and generate a step back three for himself. He can break a guy down off the dribble now, he's showing increasingly like this pop off the dribble to be able to get inside on pretty much anybody Um, and, you know, get all the way to the rim now, which has been the, the best development in this game recently. And, you know, you've got all these guys that can do all this different stuff. You have the Knicks, like, especially with those three being way more willing to not just ISO anymore and try to take their man, but generating switches and doing it smartly. And you know, trying to generate those mismatches, which is what every good team in the NBA does, and the Knicks, for whatever reason, didn't do for the first however many months of
0: the season. Also, um, I think Quickly is just like a flat out better passer than Brunson.
1: Yeah, he probably is. You know, I I think that they, I think they serve similar functions, right? I almost think yeah. like the better comp on the Knicks roster for Brunson, more so than than Quickly, is Deuce. Probably, like I think if Deuce works out a hundred percent of the way he's sort of more like brunson right like a, a little on the shorter side like he doesn't have ideal guard size i guess quickly doesn't have you know Qu- quickly and and deuce are sort of built similar and that they're both but they're like, so like, long yeah like six foot three but with plus plus wingspans and that's sort of what brunson is too but i think Brunson minus, is, minus the wingspan yeah yeah i think but i think <laughs> i think brunson is built a little more like like deuce in the sense of they're like football player bodies, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just, they're just little bowling balls (laughs) that run around and play defense and, you know, they could do stuff on or off the ball. I mean, I I talked to Lauren Gunn. I know you guys have talked to Lauren Gunn a bunch of times too, but we talked to her on locked on Knicks and she was like overflowing with praise for Brunson, you know, about how adaptable he is and all that stuff. So like, I could see the case for him. I could see the case against him. The other thing to consider too, is that, the Knicks are going to have probably another top 10 pick in this draft. And, you know, realistically the the best prospects that might be available to them, they're going to be guards. You know, there might be a Johnny Davis available or it depends,
0: right? It depends on where they land because there's only like two guards really at the top that you would like for me. I know there are people that really like Ty Ty. I I just feel like he's not, he's not, what does he do? That's so much better than what we already have on the roster. You know, like, I don't see that, and take this role at its worth it because I'm not. Cr- I'm not crunching draft tape. I'm not planning on doing that ever. So I'm just gonna regurgitate thoughts I have based on things that Prez tells me and Clipsy sends me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't see anything. significant me with Ty Ty. I do like I was Jaden is his own thing. But if you don't move up, you're not getting him. And to your point, Giant Davis is nice, but it's like I don't feel like he adds. I know his shot creation is nice, but he plays at like, the same very methodical pace that we kind of operate as operate with as a team, and I feel like what the Knicks need is either another dynamic wing guy or a guard who can play with speed like Jaden Ivy, which is why he would be appealing. But to me, other than that, in the top 10, I would much rather go with one of the wings that will be available in all likelihood, like Matherin or Shaden Sharp if he declares, or I think there's some other fucking guy, Tari Eason or something that Presley really likes. Um, but like, th- th- that's that's just my general thinking. So like, and this is kind of where I'm with it too in terms of the Brunson thing. And, and Jeremy's talked about this a lot. And I, you know, it's not so much about Brunson. It's about converting some of these contracts and consolidating it into a piece that can maybe then be a better headline piece for your eventual star trade, right? Like it's like a the step before the step kind of thing. Um but like to me, I would so much rather consolidate at a different position then. Like I would much rather consolidate especially now like you know we just talked about this how dynamic this team looked when you just play with a bunch of wings and guards and stuff around Randall and like how that looked. I mean like that I would love to get another wing that's like like I would love to upgrade on like basically take out Burks and Fournier from the rotation and just get one wing that would be an upgrade on both of them. You know what I mean? And now your wing rotation is like RJ Grimes, Reddish and whoever that person is. Like, I would love to do that. I don't even know who that wing is. I'm just throwing out more of a concept of an idea than anything else. So like, that's just, you know, that's my thinking is like, it's not about. I, I understand the concept of trading for Brunson. I just think the Nick should consolidate for a different position, and arguably, you could say center too. Like, if you can get a DeAndre Ayton, that's a way more appealing use of a consolidation trade for, to me, anyway, than to go get, you know, Jalen Brunson, who is like, like I think even the most optimistic Jalen Brunson fan would be like, yeah, he's never going to make an All Star team. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I I think I'm sort of like I'm torn, right? Because I I see the the school of thought of you know what you're saying, like you don't want to you don't want to just do the same thing again and block the young players that are clearly showing that they've got some juice here. Like you definitely never want to do anything to block quickly again. That was so foolish to do that this year, and to have Tibbs like allow Tibbs to play him only like 12 minutes a game or whatever after what we saw last year. But, like, Deuce, you know, is showing some stuff. And once that jumper starts falling, and it will, I mean, there's no way. I think he's got the yips right now a little bit, getting the call to the NBA, at least on offense.
0: Jeff brought up a good point on the uh, postgame yesterday where he was talking about how, like, Deuce plays super on ball in Westchester. And he's Mm -hmm. also, like, he obviously was on the ball a ton at at West Virginia, too. So, like, it's just him getting used to a new role where, yeah, you're not going to be on the ball much. Hell, you don't even get the ball every possession. So, like Mm – when you do get the ball, you got to be ready to pull the trigger and make quick decisions, and I think that's a big change for him, obviously.
1: Yeah, and I think that he's also one of those rare players where, like, step backs and stuff are more comfortable for him right now than spot-up jumpers because um, that's what he's used to doing. You know, he's used to, like, dribbling into the into the D and pulling up for mid-range or pulling up from three or whatever, and that's just sort of his comfort zone right now, and that's definitely what he's doing in Westchester where he's just, like, dominating people on a – you know, daily basis every time he's down there. Um, To your point about the draft, you know, my guy right now that I've decided to latch on to as someone else who doesn't pour over hours and hours of draft film uh, is Shaden Sharp, who was supposed to go to Kentucky. Like I would love a guy like that on the team, not to get off the Brunson thing. I will make my Brunson point eventually, but I have other things that came to mind. Um, But Shaden Sharp is like the perfect prospect for you and me this year. I think we should both latch on to him because – Nobody could say anything about him because he's a mystery box. He has zero college tape. All that there is is like whatever high school bullshit is available, but everything else is just like, I don't know, this kid seems really fucking cool, and he's got a bunch of like, you know, he's very toolsy and whatever. Like he's
0: <laughs> Wes know. West knows.
1: Yeah, Wes definitely has the inside shit on him because I think he's allowed to practice with Kentucky, but he's not allowed to play with them or something because of eligibility this year or some shit. So, Wes has definitely been getting, like, live streams of Kentucky practices, seeing what this kid looks like. But I would love to go after a kid like that, because he was supposed to be, like, one of the top people in next year's class, which is already supposed to be a fucking bonkers class. Like, it's supposed to be a really, really good draft class, like last year's, sort of. Although that's a little bit of the shine's coming off with, like, like Bates not looking very good and stuff like that. But, you know, next year's supposed to be a really good draft class. So, we'll see how that all works out. But yeah, to your point too, like, you know, I, I I, do think, you know, I sort of subscribe to the Jeremy of it all with like, and it was sort of what Jeremy said about Fournier this past year, which made sense in theory, but now obviously some of the shine has come off of that too, but it's like, there's value in having guys that make like 18 to $20 million a year that maybe aren't superstars, um, but that you know, they, they are good players, you know, that you can throw in a deal and have them be sort of a, a middle piece of a deal and then have your younger players on the small contracts be the, the real, you know, the, the shining, you know, crown jewel of the deal, but having a Brunson type guy to throw in there and be like, all right, we're going to trade for, I don't know, name me star X that
0: you think might actually be available. Um, donovan mitchell or something like that
1: yeah. yeah we'll do we'll do mitchell i guess um you know so you're going after donovan mitchell and the jazz are going to be one of those teams that's going to be like well we don't want to turn into complete and total ass once we trade mitchell because we still have rudy gobert that we're paying a bunch of money to and all these other various guys so you know you get a guy like a brunson and then you can say okay well You know, you guys can have, I mean, this sounds like blasphemous based off what we've been talking about, but like, all right, you can have Emmanuel quickly and, you know, Jalen Brunson to match the salary and, you know, whoever else will be topping or whatever, plus like a first round pick or two, and then give us Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, I, I think there's definitely value to having those sort of contracts on the books because like, this is a trades league now more than it is a free agency league. So you sign you sign the contracts in free agency that you eventually trade for the stars that re re-upt using their you know their their bird rights and whatever to get the better contracts because like it, it, guys are heavily incentivized to go for those deals now instead of hitting free agency where they literally in many cases can lose like a hundred million dollars by hitting free agency instead of just signing an extension. Um, so you know I, I see the value in it, but I also you know, I, I think that based off the ties to Leon Rose, you know, they'll be bringing in a new coach or maybe they'll just promote Johnny Bryan or whatever, but whoever that new coach is, I think Leon will probably want someone that's a little more open to suggestion from the front office than Tibbs has proven to be because I, I can guarantee you that, you know, Leon, Worldwide West, all these guys have probably been in Tibbs' ear for most of this year being like, hey, man, fucking play quickly. You know, like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Like, can you play some of these guys a little more? And Tibbs is probably just like, ah, fuck you, Sam Henke. I don't want to play these fucking young players, you know, whatever, and going about doing his business. So they're probably going to get someone that's a little more open to suggestion there. And in that case, you know, with Brunson having all the ties to Leon that he does uh, via Rick Brunson, you know, Leon's first client, who's his dad, you know, there's definitely going to be some pressure of like, now, like if we're signing Jalen Brunson, we're giving him twenty million dollars a year. You, you better fucking be playing, paying, or play, playing him like thirty to thirty five minutes a game minimum. You know, and and preferably more than that, and giving this guy a real role because we're making a big investment in him. And I'm with you where I, I think he's a good player. He's a great glue player. He he does a lot of the same stuff that like a more refined version of Deuce McBride will probably do. Um, but you know. If you're doing that at the expense of Deuce McBride, then what's really, what are you really accomplishing when Deuce has already showed so much? So it's going to be a fine line the Knicks are going to walk because, like, they're going to want to get back to being good ish again next year. You know, I don't think they're going to try to be a championship contender because I don't think that move exists for the Knicks this offseason. But, you know, I do think that they're going to be like, hey, Randall's playing better. He seems a little more bought in to end the year. Hopefully, this hot stretch he's on continues. Um, you know, maybe he sees the writing on the wall that Tibbs is going to be gone, too, and is already sort of like being like, all right, things are starting to look better. You know, these guys that I think have some promise on the team that I play well with are getting minutes now. So, you know, maybe we're we're trending in the right direction. But, you know, you're going to still have him. You're going to obviously still have RJ, who you might be re-upping on his, his rookie extension uh, this very offseason. You might have Mitchell Robinson back, who you're going to make a, you know, a, a good investment in if they decide to bring him back as the, you know, the starting center and you're going to have reddish. You're going to need to, you know, see all these minutes from, him. you're going to have Deuce who you want to start seeing stuff from as soon as next year. Cause he'll be in the second year of a deal where you're going to run into the same problems with him that you ran into with Mitch, where after the third year, you probably have to make the decision on him about whether you want to re-up him or not, unless you want him to hit unrestricted free agency after his fourth year, you're going to have quickly going into year three where, you know, quickly, you're going to have to make that same decision on after next year that you're making on with, RJ, after this year. Um, you know, there's just going to be a lot of guys that need minutes to sort of make these educated decisions, or else you're sort of running into a situation where y- you have guys, you know, expiring out of their rookie deals and you just still don't know what they are yet. Um, so, and, and Brunson has the potential to get in the way of that, as does any free agent that they would sign this offseason, potentially, other than maybe, like you said, like an eight in if they decide, like, let's move on from Mitch and move to, you know, we'll get DeAndre Ayton, who he think is an upgrade, that shouldn't really affect anything. But that's pretty much the only position where you can say that at this point, um, based off, you know, the the players that the Knicks have established at this point. So, yeah, it's, it's not an enviable position. I, I do think they're going to go hard for Brunson. I do think they probably will bring him in one way or another, like, because I just think that he, Brunson probably wants to come play for the Knicks because of Leon. Leon wants him on the team because it's, it's like his fucking nephew basically. Um, But how the Knicks approach that with all the guys that they have entrenched is going to be an interesting proposition for whoever the next coach ends up being, uh, because it's, it's not going to be a fun situation to navigate. I don't think. And hopefully it won't end up screwing up the development of some of the younger guys.
0: Yes. Um, You know, my advice to Leon is uh, don't mix uh, family with business. Uh, But before we continue, college basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. You cust new customers can bet five dollars on any team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the college hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, 21+. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. If you or someone else you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. That's for Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP, that's for Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. For Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Visit httpccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. One eight hundred bets off. That's for Iowa. One eight seven 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 zero stop seven and or text seven eight six seven. Or sorry, that's seven eight six seven for <laughs> Louisiana. Eight seven seven eight Hope N Y or text Hope N Y four six seven three six nine New York. Visit opgr.org for Oregon. Call text call or text TN Redline 800 889 9789 tennessee or 188 532 3500 for Vermont. 21 plus 18 or over in New Hampshire, Wyoming, must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, LA, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Vermont, West Virginia, Wyoming only, Minimum five dollar deposit required. Elig- eligibility restrictions apply. See dra- http://draftkings.com/sportsbook for details. Jesus Christ! Uh, all right. <laughs> well, i I can't believe they actually want us to read the entire fucking thing. That is insane. Um, hey, it is what it is, right? But <laughs> <laughs> that is it's like I can't believe I just read all that. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think like the Knicks for sure. They're not in an enviable position. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say that the position they're in is not straightforward. They have to pick a path, and this has been like the entire thing that's kind of come to a fore this year. And um, I do think in some some ways they're a victim of their own success last year. Which I'm, again, if you, I'm almost, I'm not almost, I am positive. If you gave, you know, truth serum to Leon Rose, World Wide West, and Tom Thibodeau and Brock Holler and all these guys, and you asked them, what did you think was your best case scenario at the start of last season? I think they might have all said, like, plan. Get the plan. Maybe get to the plan. Not 41 and 31, sixth, fourth seed, home court in the first round. I don't think any of them would have envisioned that. Um, and, you know, I think that put pressure on them to make moves in free agency. And I applaud them for not going crazy. Like, I think whatever you think about their free agency, that the, the money they spent, these guys aren't good enough. They didn't upgrade their roster enough, blah, blah, blah. That's fair. But I think they were not willing to commit too much to the success of last year via free agency and doling out contracts of significant value for more than a few years. Um, I think they deserve credit for that. And I think they were right to do that because if I, you might feel differently if Randall was still playing at the same level he did last year, but he isn't. And so I think you have to make a choice now. Like you have these vets on your team and you have all these young guys what direction do you want to lean into? I feel like that decision should be very fucking obvious based on the performance of this season. But I think that was coming to a head either way um, with the roster they assembled, depending on how this team performed. Right. And the performance to me has dictated, they should lean towards the younger half of the roster where I think, and, and I say this too, like I think those guys fit better and probably can get more out of being on a roster with Julius Randle than if you just stick him with the vets on the team and whatever. Like, I just think there's a lot more upside there. I think Julius plays better with those guys. I think they obviously need Julius's kind of shot creation to an extent. Um, I just, I I don't know. I just feel like that's the way to go, but I mean, yeah, these are the decisions they have to, they have to make. And I think they have to pick one. They have to make a big move and they have to, you know, they have to really commit to a path. Because for two years now, they've been very careful to tread kind of, you know, carefully like keeping the cap and, and under order, but like adding solid vets that they think could help them be good on the court today. Um, but then also, you know, making sure that they have these prospects and accumulating draft picks and all this kind of stuff to, to keep their options open down the line. So. I just think they need to commit and they really need to commit to something in a significant fashion.
1: Yeah. I'm with you, you know, and, and I I guess that that's where like a, a Brunson type move sort of complicates things because it, it feels like you could sell that either way. Right. You know, like that's a young player that the Knicks would be committing money to, but nonetheless, a young player that could grow with the current core, but you know, also one that can sort of, Stymie them in the way that you know. He, I don't think that he would be as bad as like uh, Kemba this year, or that he would even give you like you know a performance as bad as like what Fournier did for the first you know third of the season or however long half I guess before he started really figuring his stuff out. But like you know, I, I think that you just it, it's it's a confusing move in that regard. But I do think they do need to like make that decision, and I do think obviously the right decision is to build around Randall, find a coach that, or, you know, build around Randall and RJ, I should say, um, with the younger players and find a coach that's willing to try new shit and, you know, utilize those guys in a way that's going to make the product on the court both fun and productive, you know, and I I think that's the only way to go. Now, if they think that signing like a Brunson is going to Add to that, you know, it can do nothing but give them more good players. But I think we sort of saw this year, like, there's, you know, again, Kemba was bad. Fournier was not the worst. But, you know, there's there's something to be said for, like, if you have guys out there that are making a certain amount of money or came with a certain amount of expectations with them, they're going to always kind of claim priority one way or the other. And I think it became pretty obvious that Tibbs didn't even really like Kemba that much after a while. And yet still, once Kemba came back and did his little like 45 point, you know, game and and all that shit, you know, he still felt this pressure to play him once, you know, that happened and keep him in the rotation, Uh, even though uh, like a a week after, you know, those couple good games, he was right back to providing the nothingness that he was providing before. Um, So, you know, if you sign someone like a Brunson and then they're not panning out to a $20 million price tag and the amount of minutes that that sort of thing would, you know, would warrant, then there's still sort of that pressure of like, yeah, but this guy's making $20 million and Deuce McBride's making like, you know, $1.2 million. And so obviously the financial commitment is so much greater in into this guy that I still got to play him and see if we can make it work with him before I try anything with Deuce, you know, with, with him supplanting. Uh, you know Brunson or whoever if even if Deuce is you know playing better at the moment um, and you would hope that a new coach would not be quite like Tibbs in the sense of prioritizing vets over youth and having a fake meritocracy and all this other stuff but you know there's always those pressures in the NBA that come associated with with how much a guy's being paid and, and that sort of thing um, I think we've even seen it You know, it sometimes even impacts the players, you know, like who knows how Jalen Brunson is going to perform when he gets that $20 million price tag on him. You know, I think that that really weighs on some guys. I think we've seen it weigh on Julius to some degree this year of being committed to and being, you know, treated as the the, you know, the king of New York, the number one option, the guy who got the earned a four year extension and is like the face of the franchise now long term and whatever. I think that sort of weighed on him a bit and put a lot of expectations on him. So it's, I mean, I think you say this all the time, and, you know, I'll echo it. Like, it's, I don't envy the job that Leon Rose has to do this summer. Um, it's going to be really, it's going it's to be a tough proposition and a, a real interesting juggling act, I think.